Christmas, Christmas time is here. Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday for December 23rd, 2018. And happy Advent. And happy Advent, too. Uh, my name is Ben. And I'm Bruce. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, as as evidenced by my holiday cheer, I can't get it out of my system. Uh, the chipmunks are in the background of my head. And uh, um, uh, I'm glad you did not try the falsetto. Exactly, or the you know the yeah the the sped up version of, of my is voice. That what it was? Yeah, I think it, I think it is. <laughs> but yes, please, Christmas, don't be late. We're uh, the 23rd, obviously, very close to Christmas, so we'll be getting a lot of church in here uh, with uh, with uh, you know the lessons. We're not doing lessons and carols this year, are we? Doing lessons? We and are carols? not doing lessons and carols, but we do have three full Christmas services. There you go. At 5 and 11 on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and at 10 a.m. on Christmas Day, and Christmas Day is the famous pajamas service. Very famous pajamas service. This is the 10th annual year in which everyone's invited to wear their Christmas pajamas. And so, I do. And I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have a Star but, Wars onesie that I, that, I, that, I, that I will wear, I'm sure. Now, there's an image that... <laughs> In order for you as listeners to fulfill, you will have to be at Holy Family on Christmas Day at 10 a.m. You didn't see it, but he threw up in his mouth a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to brace myself already for giving a sermon while seeing Ben in a onesie. Ben, who is a very tall man. (laughs) That would be a lot of Star Wars. I've got a a Wookiee onesie. Say that three times fast there you and you're go. ready for Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yes, uh, yeah, uh, pajama service uh, on, on, on Christmas Day. Uh, uh, no no need to uh, get uh, dressed up in your right. top hat and in your coattails. I think of it as blue jeans and sweatshirt, personally. Yes. Whatever but... your casual garb, you want a time of, re- of just worship and then maybe move on with a more busy day or... God bless yeah. you. Maybe a very quiet day. Hope you have uh, that too. I that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. It, it actually was kind of born out of that. Uh, you know. Well, hey, look. You know, all my kids are. You know, in pajamas, and yeah. we just opened up presents, and you don't want to have to dress them up. We we're going to church anyways. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, just and and uh, and uh, uh, we have a little bit more of a relaxed style here at Holy Family, and that that fit our, our needs very well. Yeah. Um, a, the so, Holy Family Christmas for sure. Yeah. So, so if you if you want incense and candlelight, we have that at yes, eleven the, o'clock. The, the smells before. smells and bells service. Right. Uh, at, at eleven, uh, and and with uh, some gorgeous music, some, some music uh, from from some very talented people, and the they, full tilt boogie of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> The full tilt boogie, I like it. Yes, oh, I like it. Okay, so we'll on with the episode with uh, for December twenty third, uh, uh, last Sunday of Advent. The last Sunday of Advent, the second to last Sunday of the calendar year, right? Uh, and uh, the Sunday after uh, uh, the bishop joined us uh, mm-hmm. for for the service, and uh, um, so we're kind of changing our you know, our our mindset very drastically now. Like we're we're the the, the, the birth of birth of christ is nearly here yeah and it's finally mentioned in a sunday reading finally <laughs> or at least referred to it's really not even mentioned yet but you'll see in a moment what i mean yeah absolutely uh so in light of that uh we'll we'll, we'll move on but uh today's episode uh is we have a new sponsor for today's episode oh, we do uh last week was we're, we're chasubles if you if you if you happen to remember uh but today's episode is brought to you by the apocrypha 
Love the Bible, but wishing there was more than just the Old and New Testaments? Tired of the same old Psalms? Consider the Apocrypha. From Tobit to Baruch, the Maccabees to Judith, and all the rest of Esther that you didn't know was missing, the Apocrypha contains even more biblical storytelling. Deemed to not conform with other scripture, sometimes due to their doubtful origins or authorship, the Apocrypha may scratch that bad boy itch that you as a churchgoer know you have. Ask your priest if the Apocrypha is right for you. That is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you can turn to the Apocrypha for a full murder mystery type of Yes. Yes, I've read that one. That's, Isn't that great? There, there, there's, there's also some, some very interesting books uh, titled "Book uh, to the to the, the the Apocrypha." So it's there's there's a there's a dragon in one. Yeah, it, it's mean, worth having some fun with. It really, really is, and that's the Apocrypha, not the Hippocrypha, um, or the Apocryphal, or the Apocryphal. Uh, so uh, yeah, so you actually need to do what probably most people do is simply Google it and get it for free, mm-hmm. or Buy a Bible that has the Apocrypha explicitly in it, which is what the Roman Catholics, the Eastern Orthodox churches, and the Episcopal Church all believe should be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Protestants do not have the Apocrypha because during the Reformation, when the first Protestant biblical scholars walked down the street to the local synagogue, in the synagogue scriptures, those books were lacking. So they thought, these Protestants, therefore, it should not be in the Christian Bible. So, roughly, when were these books uh, officially cast aside? As far as like that is not well for, going to be part of. In terms of Judaism, it, they were cast aside uh, in the early centuries of the Common Era mm-hmm. after Christ, as they were trying to firm up what should be in the Scriptures following the Romans destroying the temple, destroying Israel, and scattering the Jewish people throughout the Mediterranean region. So suddenly they had folks who needed, in a sense, a good Bible, Mm -hmm. and they needed all to agree what should be in that good Bible. And those books that did not make it in were those that, the the quick summary is, were written in Greek rather than Hebrew, Mm. and so were held to be uh, not as old, and perhaps not as credible, though they still mm. remain part, and remain to this day, part of Jewish literature, just as they remain part of Christian literature for many, many Christians around the world. Yeah. And you can kind of see, I, I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I think there's some of those books that I have not gone through still. Uh, but um, you can kind of see in each one... Uh, a lot of times you can kind of read and like, okay, I see where yeah. that didn't quite fit yeah. with uh, the motif. Yeah, the motif that you were going for, and yeah. with, with some of the other books. Uh, um, but there's 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 some some passage. Like I said, the rest of Esther is is there, which I find kind of interesting that that got uh, uh, um, cut into parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but also uh, other stories reportedly about Christ. And part of the fun of it is. Episcopalians, as we often have, took a middle road mm-hmm. between Protestant and Catholic, where, unlike Protestants, we... We're the we, Switzerland of the church. We, we are the Switzerland of the church, the neutral territory. <laughs> and so we want. We said, yes, this is part of our Bible, but they cannot be used for forming a doctrine solely based 
on an, a piece from the Apocrypha. Mm. Instead, it ha- the that same piece, that same inspiration has to be found elsewhere in the scripture as well. Yeah. So they can back up what the scripture says elsewhere, but that you can't create a doctrine based simply on that, mm-hmm. which is unlike the Roman Catholic and Orthodox positions on it. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Check out our new podcast coming soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could go on and on. About I, I, that. And, and it would be fascinating, too. I mean, one of these days we'll have to capture some more of that. Yeah, uh, we'll have some fun uh, with that, too. We'll, we'll, we'll do some apocryphal readings. <laughs> yes, that's out. the right word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as the actual readings, uh, mm-hmm. for, although I... To, to deviate again one more real briefly there have been as we've as we've prepared for these uh, uh, at least one Sunday thus far in this short um, span that we've been doing this podcast a a, a reading a possible reading from uh, the Apocrypha yeah, one of the books one of the uh, was one of the options uh, it's not part of what we put into the service but uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it, hey look there's a reading from Baruch yeah and and could could very well could have been uh, part of a service if we wanted to toss it in there and discuss. Yeah, and come, like, uh, reading from the Apocrypha probably is in uh, Sunday service, I'd say six or seven times a year. Maybe okay. less than that, but I think that that feels about right. Okay. So we, they are out there. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, The actual reading uh, mm-hmm. for, for uh, uh, no, no Apocrypha readings this time. Um, maybe, maybe we'll get to one here. But uh, um, the first one is from Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a, which always, another quick side detour, why the, well, there's a few instances of this, but why the, why the 5a and b? Well, because like, five and a half would sound stupid. And why not just six? <laughs> it has to, it, it's a, okay, we could go on for a half hour on this alone. <laughs> it has to do with the verses being artificially laid upon writing that was already centuries old. Mm-hmm. And so, really, 5 and five A and B should have been 5 and 6, or like what you refer to. Mm-hmm. But because we've been using the, this verse structure as Christians for hundreds of years, as our translations get better, we're not willing to go back and reversify. Gotcha. At some point, maybe we will, but... I doubt it because Christianity is so fractured in so many ways. I doubt you could get everyone to agree on. Uh, you couldn't get an, an, uh, the same people in a pew to agree. Right. <laughs> so it's simpler <laughs> to simply say to five. And with that, I say B, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense. I, I was I yeah. was actually kind of curious about that, whether or not it was like, no, 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 the author very much had a point that they wanted uh, to, to make and they wanted these verses to Be join, sent, you know, yeah. join together in some sort of magical way, or maybe it had to do with the uh, the, the the way that it was uh, uh, counted, uh, because as, as as scripture was handed down, it was there were you counted out uh, um, um, the, the the letters in the verse, and, mm-hmm. and that's how you knew it was an accurate uh, uh, copy of, of of what was previously written. Yeah, and how, how, were, how copies were made back then, especially if you were illiterate. Mm-hmm. And had the job of a scribe, you're um, right. But uh, but yeah, okay. So so it has to do with the interpretations over uh, and, and translations over over years into getting better and better. Gotcha. And particularly in this case, it's quite clear that five A belongs in terms of thought with the end of verse four, mm-hmm. and that there's a brand new thought that begins 
with that second part of verse 5. Okay. All right. Well, then, without any further ado, let me read oh, to 5a, but forget 5b, because that's a totally different thought. That'll be on your own time. Yeah, on your own time. So, Micah, uh, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah? Close enough. Go ahead. Yeah. We all struggle with these words. You're not alone. Um, who are... Let me start over. But you, O Bethlehem from Ephrathah, uh, who are one of the clans of Judah, so that explains that answer, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. Okay, so first of all, what's going on in Micah? Like the the Depends who you ask. Okay. <laughs> Are you a priest or a lawyer? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> I play a lawyer on television. Mm. No, that's a terrible old joke. The for people there, for Christians, this is usually seen as a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Okay. For uh, Jewish people, it is more about the coming of God's redemption in a more generic way, rather than specifically in the birth of Jesus. Mm. So that's why I say it depends who you who you are, what your perspective. Is. I got gotcha. you. Okay. So, um, so one of the li- they're one of the little clans of Judah. Um, Oh, Bethlehem of Ephrathah. It sounds almost genealogical, but it's 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 not. Bethlehem's a place. A place. As is Ephrathah. Actually, people know very little about it. Okay. It's disappeared from the face of the map. So there's just a presumption that was a sister town. Oh. Okay. But. So, so, so this is it, it, if you dig far enough down into the into the tribes uh, in into Judah specifically, you'll get down to where you bifurcate between, uh, you know, this region and the other regions. So it's like one of the little, like right. Little, okay, okay. Yeah, so even today, Bethlehem. One of the interesting things about the New Testament and the and the birth of Jesus is that. In terms of the Middle East, it's very recent. Mm-hmm. That even though it's two thousand years ago, and so like for North American Anglo's, feels like boy, that's ancient history. Within the what Christians call the Holy Land, so much has happened mm-hmm. for thousands of years that the Jesus event, Jesus being born and walking the earth, is almost at the top layers of archaeological research, uh, literally of what's in the ground. Mm-hmm. And because people have been living in that area with very complex civilizations for so many thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So what hmm. all that means is that, or what I'm getting at is that Bethlehem's still there. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem's still there. You can still travel between the two quite easily because they are very close to one another. And so part of the meaning of Jesus being born in Bethlehem is that he was 
born in the humbler location. In mm -hmm. fact, he was born in the humblest suburb of Jerusalem rather than in the center of power. So that, that, that's what informs, the, the, quite literally, the word little right. in there. Like, from the smallest clans of... Yeah, know? it's it's a it was a small town. It still is a relatively small town, from very uh, humble beginnings. Yeah, which which kind of then, uh, considering that this is the you know the the Sunday before Christmas itself, does kind of lend itself to maybe that this scripture is referring to Christ's birth, right? The Messiah's birth. Yeah, it, yeah. Again, yeah, so. for Christians, um, that is very much how we see it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's safe to say, but I'm a Christian, so I, I'm. Tempering what I'm saying a little bit, or at least uh, putting that caveat on it. For Jews, it's instead the same theology that God often comes from a humble place. It's just not directly applied to Jesus Christ. Mm, okay. So, okay. you know, we can, we can still interpret it almost the exact same way. Just we, as Christians, have a very specific meaning with Jesus being the person born there. That's so, so crucial. Interesting. Okay, and then our, um, our, our next reading, uh, our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. And that reads, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and burnt and in offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, see, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So uh, this this verse, and I'm, I'm doing I I'm, I could tell as I'm reading it, I'm doing it a disservice because there there are there are parentheses and <laughs> you know <laughs> right. a, a very underutilized uh, uh, style of of, of writing uh, mm -hmm. in in the Bible, but there's like these little asides that are that that are thrown in there, um, which in and of itself is an interpretation mm -hmm. since the New Testament was written in Greek, which at that time had no punctuation. Mm. So if you see a parenthesis, that was a translator's the decision. The kings of run-on sentences. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to try to make it legible, the translators stick in a parenthesis, a period, a, quote, a quotation Interesting. Mark. So, they, so th these are uh, um, the translators' additives yeah. where they go, this doesn't really seem to follow the same... Logic thought process. I'm going to put this in a parenthesis on the right. side um, because or, it's it's informing what's just been said, but not really part of the same structure. Yes. And so. sometimes it's also simply a desire by the translator to let the the reader breathe if it's being read out loud, mm. and the listener or the reader if it's being read silently to oneself take a mental pause. Hmm. Interesting. See, I get so sidetracked by some of these smaller things, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and things that 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 uh, uh, hopefully have some meaning to people who actually listen to this. Because if you're listening to this, you might not be reading along, and right. and wouldn't know that <laughs> what what parentheses? Yeah. What is this guy talking about? Um, yeah, if you could only see the big chart we have yes. on the wall here yes. <laughs> in the biblical labs of Holy Family. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we're rendering truth serums. You know? <laughs> um, so this this verse is talking. It's it, it's quotes from Christ Himself. Uh, uh, this book is to to Hebrews, uh, but it's it's uh, um, the the author of of Hebrews is believed to be. We don't know. Ooh, the yeah, mystery. It's one of those that um, that because it's not explicit who it is. Some say it's Paul. Some say it's an unknown. Mm-hmm. But we can't say for sure. But I have to correct you oh. on one thing. Where you said it's a, a quote from Christ. Mm-hmm. It's actually a quote from the Psalms. Ooh. And we do have, there are a lot of those things that if you have the right Bible, they'll, they'll tie those, right. uh, they'll, they'll tie those uh, references together and say, this is in reference to Psalm Blah 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 yeah, blah whatever. In this case, Psalm forty. Okay, okay. And one of the interesting things. So when so when it says consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, "That's that that is a that that's actually taken from Psalms. It's not taken from one of the gospel readings or." Well, it's take it uh, first appeared in Psalms. Okay. And because Christ also Christ, did that too, is is play on. That's what I was going to say. That, that Christ uh, certainly. Quoted scripture lots and lots, including mm-hmm. the Psalms, mm-hmm. and the Psalms are often used throughout the New Testament as both an explanation and a uh, fleshing out of Christ's message. In this case, we have in the Gospels passages that are similar, but none that are exactly that. Mm. So, okay. what's I think is safe to say. And many scholars would say this, but I'll just put on myself to this, at this point: is the author sincerely believed that Christ said quoted Psalm forty here? Gotcha. And so it's probably so. I think it's safe to say that within the Christian community, it was widely acknowledged that Christ had used Psalm forty to help teach about who He was and who the Christian community was called to be. Hmm. And now Hebrews, uh, just just to clarify a little bit, this is this is an open letter to the Hebrews, uh, unlike some of the other uh, books of the New Testament that were written to specific towns or right. provinces or or, or or what have you. Yeah, it's more generic. This is more to the Hebrew people as a whole, or well, part of the fun of it also is that. I guess without knowing the author, you might not entirely know the audience, intended audience. You don't know the intended audience, and nowhere does it say this is the letter to the Hebrews. Okay. That's something that Christians put on it at some point. Right. Um, So there's nothing wrong with saying that was the letter to the Hebrews, but it also is maybe inaccurate to say that that was the first intended audience. Mm. So now, in the, in the the point of this scripture is it seems to be centered around offerings, um, and um, is this basically um, writing that is 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 trying to draw the parallel of in the Old Testament you were called to do this, but since Christ's coming, uh, he has he has taken the place of. Of burnt offerings in the temple, of, of animal sacrifice specifically, like what's the? Uh... I think it's more poetic than that. Okay, where, and and this is a a, a theology that is has predates Christ that is in the um, Hebrew scriptures already that 
what's much more important to God is the offering of our lives and that we had lost, we frequently lose the symbolism of an offering to God when we think the offering in and of itself is doing the work or mm. is causing the benefit when what we give to God is supposed to transform who we are. So you know, when we give a gift to the church, to the poor, to whoever it might be, it's supposed to be a way of transforming ourselves and making ourselves closer to God rather than making ourselves look good. Interesting. So this is this is kind of like an, a, a, a redefinition of the word sacrifice. Uh, 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 like a like a no, re- it's not. No, okay. Because I'm glad you asked that. Because one, of I'm I'm glad I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice literally means offering. Okay, but in English, over the last two hundred years or so, it's taken on this connotation of an offering that hurts. Interesting. Okay. But yeah. It's actually the, in the Greek. It simply is a generic term for offering. Hmm, okay. So well, then maybe maybe perhaps then then to re, re- rework my thought uh, okay. uh, is is uh, a a changing of the definition of offering as you were saying. Uh, yes. You used to do this, and you thought this was the act that brought you salvation. It's that that's not right. You know that's not what it's about. It's about you know the free what, gift of God the, the to free, you. Yeah, and you opening yourself to that gift. Hmm. Okay. And it, it's it's the battle that God has had with the human race since the we first started to crawl out of the trees during evolution of people opening themselves to God and then all too quickly saying, okay, now I know how to do this. I'm checking the boxes so I'm cool with God rather than maintaining a lively daily relationship with God. Gotcha. It's not a check. It's not it's a checklist. Not, right. It's not a checklist. That yeah, maybe that's a summary of chapter ten in Hebrews. Hmm. It's not a checklist. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm glad we solved Hebrews. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Uh, so, anything anything else on Hebrews before we move on to uh, to Luke? So, Luke chapter one, verse thirty nine through, and I'm going to forty five through fifty five is is optional but these are short sentences so we can all we can all uh, uh, bear through them in those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the child leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Leaped, leaped for joy. Yeah, I like mine better. <laughs> and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely now... On all generations will call me blessed. Uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and his and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones 
and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So this is um, this is obviously before Christ is born, right. as far as uh, where the story takes place. Uh, I think a lot of us know the story of uh, Elizabeth and her leaping child. Um, who is? Who is not born yet. <laughs> John the Baptist. John the Baptist, yes. Uh, so, I thought so, I gave you a softball. No, I, I, I went for the funny joke. Oh. Um, <laughs> you did. So I, just, I did give you a softball. You did give me a softball. I just chose to bunt it anyways. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, so, um, this is, this is about, uh, kind of, uh, completing, uh, the, um, the foretelling, right? It, it kind of, uh, right. um, there, there, over the past several weeks of Advent, we'd been listening to scripture that was talking about foretelling John the Baptist talking about who's, who's, who's about to come and, mm-hmm. and, right. who's, uh, the, you know, whose sandal I'm unworthy to untie and, and, uh, um, and, and. Even earlier uh, here, as we read from from Micah, we were talking about the foretelling of the coming of the Messiah of Christ right. Himself. Um, so this uh, this all has to do with prophecy, and this has to do with promises from God, and promises going all the way uh, not not just to Mary, but all the way back to uh, they they in this scripture they tie it all the way back to Abraham, right? Um, and the promise that was made uh, to him. Although I guess that promise was just that you'd have a lot of descendants, and really great <laughs> descendants, but. But that that was considered one of the, the foundational promises mm-hmm. between God and the human race, and so yes, that's why it's referenced. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. And any, I, I, um, my wife having been pregnant twice, um, children leap for joy all the time, <laughs> or leap leap to make you uncomfortable. Right. right? I mean, so. Um, what uh, I, I find that imagery kind of fascinating that that's like thrown in here, like. Just um, the the child leaping in in the womb for joy, uh, John the Baptist realizing that um, you know that that the Messiah is near, um, right? Quite literally. Near. Um, but uh, anybody who who's has had a child in in womb, there's not much room for leaping. <laughs> <laughs> not to be scientific about this. <laughs> well, and it. You know, speaking as two people, Elizabeth would not be carrying on a conversation if the child had just left for joy. She'd be like, "Oh my gosh, well, I'm, this I'm, child's going to kill me." I'm just struck that you know two individuals are sitting here who are relatively unqualified, to very unqualified, on that. very unqualified. But as as uh, as I learned from um, from being near my wife during those yeah. pregnancies, uh, I'm told it's uncomfortable, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's correct. And yeah, so they're they're actually I'm trying not to get in too much trouble and, and in too much too trouble. Yep. Uh, but it is, but it is a, a a place where the the presence of Jesus, even bef- even while there are layers of flesh between he and John and some air. The presence of Jesus is so strong mm-hmm. that it is affecting the unborn John the Baptist. Poetic I mean, flair, perhaps, of, of in, in writing, or 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 is this like uh, uh, one of those Christian truths? <laughs> well, I don't think it's this cornerstone of our faith, 
But as you pointed out, it's also extremely likely. Ooh. I mean, because there are leaps all the time within geographical limitations <laughs> <laughs> within the womb. You're treating it with such, with such tender care now that I've, uh, I've put yeah, my foot I'd in my mouth somewhere. You step in. <laughs> But, uh, but, but, th- but it is part of this, all of creation mm-hmm. is affected by the Jesus event. That um, even an unborn child, which in this place and time was not considered human, mm-hmm. is leaping at the presence of the Savior. Mm-hmm. I, certainly within the context of this story, we all know who the unborn child is in terms of John the Baptist and all. So right. Um, certainly that child has importance. But it would have been very significant to the first listeners of this story that even something pre-human was acknowledging the Savior of the world being present. Hmm. It's it, it, it's a hard mindset for us to get into uh, in our day and age with all of our knowledge of science and the thank God for the premature babies can be saved and, and live full lives. Uh, but there was a, a different view of children, of their place, of their role. And in the Gospel of Luke, uh, children are raised up repeatedly by Jesus as symbols of those who are otherwise overlooked hmm. and need to be seen, part of the outcasts of society. So even before Jesus is born, he's raising up a whole class of humanity that is a foreshadowing of what Jesus will be doing throughout the Gospel of Luke. That's an interesting point of view. So, so, so uh, drawing importance to um, um, children even at this, at, at this earliest of age. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also find it interesting that Mary also takes uh, the extra step of, um, I, I wouldn't say like defe- deflecting praise, but there's certainly through this story, Mary um, very easily could have um, taken a lot of attention and and or credit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you know, hey, he chose me. You right. know, uh, you know, look how look how awesome I am. But uh, in a way, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. But in a way, I think some of these verses seem to to me to kind of be like. I see what you're, you know, I see the praise you're heaping over here, but let's make sure it goes where it's supposed, it goes to, go. where it's supposed to. And I'm just blessed that this, you know, to be a part of this and that, that the, all the glory really be to God for, for this promise that he's filled. And Very much so. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important for Christians to see Mary as their model of humanity, mm-hmm. of how we are called as individuals to live. Where, like you say, she could have demanded all sorts of honors be heaped mm-hmm. upon her. And would but, have gotten it. And at least at certain places and times would mm-hmm. have. Uh, yeah. Um, though at this point, we also have to remember she's an unwed mother. So not a whole lot of praise that would, be, would have been thrown <laughs> That's upon a good her. point. Yeah. That's a good point. But later on, certainly. And the, the model of Mary for the human race is I think hugely significant, especially for Luke, where Mary takes such a prominent role, the Gospel of Luke, and that whenever we feel ourselves deserving of praise, it's good to look back at these passages and see how Mary took those times to redirect the praise to God, hmm. and therefore to to put it to really understate it 
kept a level head on her shoulders. Interesting. WWMD. Yes. What would Mary do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> not a not a bad one. Mary, yeah. Uh, it, it it definitely a uh, a um a worthwhile uh, person to emulate and and uh, very good model for as, us. as far as at least the scriptures detailed. No seen missteps either. I mean, just a very model uh, individual and and uh, well, there is an interesting oh, story. Is there? Is there? In John, okay, um, not the apocrypha. I was, not, I was really nope. there for <laughs> a second. I thought we were going to loop it all the way back. I thought that Boy, was that would have be, been sharp. That would have been. But in the Gospel of John, where she pushes Jesus to perform his first miracle at the wedding at Cana of Galilee, mm-hmm. of changing water into wine, there's this, there's a, a, I think, a wonderfully human interaction between Mary as Jesus's mother, kind of nagging him. To, to do the right thing and um, Jesus really being reluctant about it. But it turns out Mary was completely right. This was the moment for that first miracle to take place. Hmm. Uh, so it's... She pushed him into his vocation. Put, yeah. And, the, and, and so I think that's one of, those show, one of those places where we were shown the beautiful complexity of Mary's personality hmm. and her... Um, very obviously intimate role in Jesus's life that was also directive and nurturing. Interesting. Yeah, that she was no pushover. Yeah, uh, yeah. And was instrumental in guiding Jesus in his formation as a strong Jewish man of faith. Cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, very good. All right. Well, then those are those are the readings for uh, December 23rd, uh, 2018. Uh, we hope that you join us uh, for either the Sunday service, the the uh, Christmas Eve, one of the Christmas Eve services, the Christmas morning service, or all yes to all of the above. Uh, you are more than welcome to join us for any of those. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website and www.holyfamilyfishers.org. Uh, for, for if you have any questions or curious, uh, there, there's even a link there to uh, contact our admin if you have any questions about the, where the church is located, That's how to right. get here, what the, when the services are, anything like that. Feel free to reach us at, reach out to us. But uh, anything else? Almost Merry Christmas. Almost Merry Christmas. And with that, we leave you. Uh, December 23rd, we'll see you then. Uh, thanks so much. I've been Ben. I've been Bruce. And we'll talk to you later.